Thanks for tuning into this week's sermon audio. During this week's recording, we ran into a small technical error. See, our sermon audio was recorded through the computer mic rather than the lapel mic that Kyle wore on stage. So you're going to hear some conversations that took place in the tech booth this past weekend. Now there is more conversation than normal because we're actually training up someone new on running the slides. Which, I guess, is kind of cool to see that our teams are growing, more people are getting involved, and that we're bringing on new people into new roles. I mean, if anything, it shows that we don't leave out our new volunteers out to dry. At least we spend time with them and training them and building them up in these new positions. So we apologize for any inconvenience you may experience in listening to Kyle's sermon from this past weekend. We always look to improve and to strive for excellence, but sometimes things aren't always going to go smoothly. So we adapt and we recognize that reaching excellence is going to take work. It's going to be a progress. And so we just thank you for hanging in with us, and we hope that you enjoyed this week's sermon audio. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It can be a few. I am it can take a while so to get from slide to slide. Yeah. So, like, if he My brings up Kyle, this, I'll sit on that one until he brings up the next one. This is a new church community right here in Salmon Creek. And one of the things that I hope you noticed as you showed like up this morning you're sitting back here, I can do that. Can is that really, like, this is a participatory community. Like, that, that this means that as you come and as you connect with us, we don't just simply want you to find a seat and consume, but we want to invite you to contribute. Amen. And some of the ways that we want to invite people to contribute is, is it was beautiful this morning. I, Ty was up here playing bass for us. This has, that has been a long time coming. And so we're all He's been working tirelessly so that he can participate. And so there are other ways that you can participate in the life of Generations Church. One of those ways that you can participate is we're preparing for, for Christmas. And one of the things that we want to do this Christmas is we want to be able to have just a little skit because we know everyone has different gifts, talents, and abilities. And we want to invite those who have just different skill sets and maybe want to express just a love for God in different ways. And so if you are an adult female who's interested in participating in a skit, we've got a couple who have already, slots already filled. Matt, raise your hand. That's Matt. Go see Matt after service. He would love to connect with you and help you find a part and find a role in this skit. And we're actively, like I said, preparing for Christmas. But one of the cool things is that what we've seen take place here over the past couple weeks is, and if you didn't know this, we are six weeks into weekly public services. So that's absolutely incredible. And what that means is that we are a community in progress. That's learning what it looks like to follow Jesus in each and every day. And so we're not we're not perfect. And so when you come here and as you experience what we're doing, is you're gonna see things that are, are a little different maybe than an establishment. Or if you're new for the first time, it's been a while since you've checked out church at all, or you're even not and So a when he brings up that quote. Well, I that's when I'll go to the slide, and then I'll just sit on that slide until I hear the next one. And it can this take a while to pass. Regardless of background, background. Okay. Yeah. that you're invited to participate. And let me say this you belong here. And we are glad that you are here. So let me ask you this question Have you ever had a moment when you became aware of your age? 
like that, that cognitive disconnect in your mind when you were like, oh, I am, I am like this old. So maybe it was 16 when you got your driver's license and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm 16. Like that's good. Maybe it was 18 and the weight of responsibilities finally hit you when you moved out of your parents' house. Uh, and it's like that weight hits you. Or maybe it's you got that reunion notice in the mail and you're like, has it been 15 years already? And uh, since you graduated, or maybe it's you got that AARP, you know. <laughs> and so I uh, tread lightly here. Uh, but, but you became painfully aware. So I had one of those moments the other day when I became just aware of my age. And this is going to sound uh, silly, but I ate a bunch of pizza at a party the other night. And that night when I went to go home to go to sleep, I had heartburn. <laughs> so, so it was one of those moments, and it's like I was like, man, what what I had put in my body, I was I was officially paying for it, and and that's the point that we've been talking about these last couple weeks is we will feel the consequences of what we put into our body, yeah. whether good or bad, and this is why we left off with the challenge of last week to be filled with the knowledge, <coughs> wisdom, and understanding that comes from God. Because as you walk down the road of this life, the choices you will make will communicate what you are filled with. And Paul's prayer is that the Colossian believers be filled by the wisdom and understanding so that the lives they live will be pleasing to God. And our text this morning expands on this idea by clarifying what happens to the believer, not just to the church. And so these believers, just to recap, is they're a church in Colossae, and they've experienced God do some really cool things in their midst. So much that they're seeing an impact spread throughout the world. And so Paul, what he's doing is he's going to use some imagery and clarify some points that takes it from you all collectively as a whole church. You've been seeing God move in this way to a prayer that says, I want to see God move individually in your life. And so Paul narrows his prayer to the everyday life of the believer. And so Paul's priority for them is that they be renewed inwardly so that they would not get caught up with their external success and give way to internal doubts. And so we've been in this series called Know. And so it's important that we have an increasing understanding of God. And maybe you've heard this distinction before, that there's a difference between knowing about someone or something and knowing them. The difference between knowing about knowing them, think of maybe a favorite celebrity or a favorite athlete or a band. And you can start, as you think of them, you can start rattling off, you know, where they play, tours, uh, their statistics if they're on a sports team. And there's a big difference between knowing all that there is about them and knowing them. For me, I would fangirl a little bit. I know a ton about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's my homeboy. We go way back. Not really. But, but there's a difference between me knowing all about Tom Brady and me actually knowing Tom Brady. And so when we know someone, it challenges you to change. And so when we look at how are we being filled with the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God, it's important that we go from knowing about things of faith and knowing about God to an actual relationship of knowing God that drives about a change to where people see that change around us. And so Paul is praying here that the life pleasing to God is one that sees, 
success and a positive impact, and that grows in knowledge. And so there will be change in your sphere, in your own life, when you begin to actually know God and not just know about God. See, we oftentimes know about God and we learn about something from someone else. But when we take that step from receiving something from someone else, knowledge or insider wisdom, to actually learning and seeking it ourselves, we begin to actually know God. And so Paul does this, helping them transition, by picking up an image he has already used. If you caught there in our text, and specifically in verse 10, it says, bearing fruit and growing. The Colossians are to continue to do what the gospel is accomplishing among them. And Paul had talked about this idea of bearing fruit. But before, it's about how its impact was going all over the world. Their idea that their success and impact, they were seeing change. And they were seeing growth. And God is seeking through a response to the gospel to confirm his original purpose in creation and establish human beings in his own image. This is why Paul switches from a collective to an individual. See, individually, we will see fruit when we live out our faith. As we begin to live out our faith, things will begin to change. And in fact, we will begin to experience what it looks like to be truly human. And we will see that in the lives of those around us. And just a side note, this is why it's essential to see God's involvement in creation. It provides a purpose for external change and intensive growth within each Believer. It gives purpose and drives lasting growth. And the idea of this picture of this plant imagery, we can, we can see what that looks like. We want to be rooted and sinking roots into the knowledge that God has given us. We want to be deepening our roots because what happens when you have shallow root system and you start to grow fruit, you start to see change. What happens is actually is the plant itself cannot sustain that growth and ultimately will be uprooted and fall over. And this is why it's important. So as you begin to explore things of faith, maybe maybe you're not a believer in this room and you're here checking us out. Or maybe you're a young Christian. We want you to grow deep roots that go deep into the soil that you seek God, so that when you start to experience a change, and you start to experience this fruit that the scripture talks about, and that it actually won't weigh you or tip you over or overwhelm you. Because you don't have enough nutrients for sustained growth. And so we want to see sustained and lasting growth. That's why we talk about four generations to come. The goal of Generations Church is not to just experience a temporary change, kind of very surface level, where we get all nice, warm, and fuzzies, mm -hmm. but to see lasting impact in the lives of those around us where we live, work, and play so that it lasts for generations to come. Yeah. And we got to have those deep roots so that this change, this root that we may begin to experience through the work of God won't uproot us and undo us. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason, anytime we begin to experience a little bit of fruit, we see a little bit of growth in our life, we think we can just go on cruise control. We think we can just stick it on it. To apply cruise control in your faith journey is like sticking cruise control on a car in a heavily stoplighted city. So we're not to be passive. We're to live actively. Increasing our appetite to know God. And the result is not heartburn, 
It's a heart that burns to please So a life worthy of God that pleases him will consist of bearing and growing fruit. You will see change, and you will see growth, specifically in your knowledge of God, not just your knowledge about God. But in our text, it also says, Paul says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance, patience, and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. See, Christians should not be interested in just mere information, but in wisdom that finds its significance in obedience to God. And the obedience to God comes when we are strengthened. See, when I was growing up and learning to play basketball, my parents got me this little brace thing. So I was really young, and I was learning how to shoot. And so it was this, like, shooting guard that you strapped on your arm underneath and above so that you could have the right form. And so it was like, uh, and it it helped so that every time I pick up a basketball and go to shoot, it would be awkward, it would hurt if I tried to do anything else other than have the right form when I would go to shoot. And so uh, even in my small, scrawny, uh, young days, it's I pick up the basketball and I I, want to be strong enough to, in some cases, because you had to learn to shoot the right way. And so I couldn't use two hands. I couldn't, like, get a whole bunch of momentum and heave it. Every time, because I had wore the brace and had the brace on, it would help me grab the basketball the right way, put it into form, and then up and follow through. And the reason this was so effective is it was in repetitive practice, in repetitive drill, it held my arm in the right place. So much so that after a while of that repeat performance, I could eventually take off the brace. And every time I grabbed the basketball, my arm would go up and have the right angle to follow through. So it would be difficult, it would be awkward, and it would sometimes hurt when I would wear that brace. Because it brought out some of my weaknesses. It would say, oh, you're not, always, you're not strong in this muscle here. Or when you grab the ball over here, going to be lazy and come up this way. And until I got stronger and got the strength that I needed, I wouldn't even be able to move back to shoot a further shot. But again, with repetition and with practice and with aid of the brace, after a while, I developed something called muscle memory. So that when I took off that brace, you best believe that even today, I still can almost pick up a basketball and it's right here each and every time. Doesn't mean it goes in. <laughs> but but, but the, me- the, me- the mechanics are there. The mechanics are there. See, and for us, the Word of God acts as a brace. And what happens is oftentimes, as we're trying to figure out this thing of faith, and we forget that God has given us an aid so that we can develop the right muscle memory so that when we can begin to live our faith on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, that we use the word of God to give us that grace, to show us how to live. And so that after a while, when we begin to learn and sink our deep, our roots deep in God's word and mix metaphors for a moment, that it becomes almost like muscle memory. But here's the thing is even at muscle memory is we still have to practice and we have to have that discipline. And too oftentimes we think that we are free to just sometimes do whatever we want because we think experience is our teacher. And others 
provide words of wisdom, which again can be good and can be hopeful. But we will find the most satisfactory and the most effective muscle memory and living a life pleasing to God when we rely on the Word to give us the right form and the right follow-through. And so, experience devoid of divine insight or discipline never enables us to make a shot. Because specifically, two situations are never the same. You know this and I know this. As we seek to live our life, no two exactly situations are the same. To continue the basketball metaphor for a moment, when you find yourself playing on the court or going around, no, there are no two situations that are exactly the same. Whether it's a pass or a cut or a shot or the way the defense changes. But what doesn't change is despite the circumstances and the surroundings is that muscle memory that comes back. And that's the beauty of God's word, is it gives us and helps us develop that muscle memory. So in any and every situation we find ourselves in, we have some instinctual character and priorities that we go back to as the situations change around us. And so sometimes when you're always given the structure, you never have to make a conscious choice. And so the beauty of, of God's word is what it does with experience and wisdom combined with the Holy Spirit, providing the understanding, helping us learn situation by situation. It helps us go to where all the results that we begin to see in our life are both the result of unconscious discipline in God's word with the meaning of conscious choice to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so we need the wisdom of God to help supersede and eliminate the sinful tendencies that we form in our lives. And that's where he says, may you be strengthened. And he says this mm-hmm. with all power and according to his glorious might. See, living a life worthy of the Lord is a high and difficult calling. So let me give you a few questions to ask this morning as you reflect on your own life. As we talk about this idea of pleasing, this idea is you can be strengthened through the power of God. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to figure it out. But as we begin to live a life that's disciplined in the direction of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves some tough questions. Are we hoping for instant change? Are you experiencing or expecting a solution that will just simply make the problem go away? And have you ever thought you had it solved in the past year and you can just move on? You can't get on his control. And are you hoping you can just simply stop working on it and maybe it'll come naturally? See, God gives us strength through the community of believers so that we can begin to live our faith every day. And here's how it comes out. Paul says, according to the all endurance and for patience with joy and thanksgiving. See, endurance is what faith, hope, and love bring to an apparently impossible situation. So when you're faced with a situation or circumstance, Paul's praying for these Colossian believers, and ultimately we can see that for ourselves too. That faith, hope, and love 
exercised well in an apparently possible situation, we will be able to endure. And patience is what faith, hope, and love show to an apparently impossible person. And if you look at those modifiers before each and every one of those words, great endurance, all power, all patience. It's great. And we can endure because we know the end of the story. We can fight in the day to day. And the extent of God's purpose and his empowerment is his own might. God has not asked us to drive a car with no gas. He's able to fuel us. He's able to give us the energy and the strength, not from our own efforts, but through his Holy Spirit. And that's where it comes from, being in tune with his word. And we go back and again and again to looking at the character and priorities of Jesus. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That what Jesus did on the cross was to defeat the power of sin. You are not powerless. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you are a baptized believer in Christ. You are not powerless to enact change. You can fight. And God has given you the strength to win. See, in Christ, you can enact change to that impossible situation and even in that relationship with maybe that impossible person. And the result of endurance and patience, there's a joy that comes because you're relying not on your own strength and maybe even looking back at your own failures, but you're finding a sense of purpose that's found only in being united with Jesus. And we can give thanks to God who has enabled this. See, it's the results of unconscious choice and conscious preparation that enable us to go and live out our faith in every and any situation. And the reason I'm talking so much about this, I keep saying this, living out faith, living out your faith, is because the idea is that as you follow Jesus, Paul uses that word to walk, worthy. You are to put one foot in front of the other. Where you go, where you live, work, and play, your faith is supposed to be evident for those around you. But too often, we want the option to purchase a great reward without paying the price. So we see this when we'd rather pay off a credit card than save and pay cash or something. Can we find the path? Of least resistance. And this is the great temptation for our age. At the expense of change. We would rather be comfortable and have it easy than see true and lasting change. And it's the combination of a conscious discipline and choice that then fuels what through God's spirit and his wisdom and unconscious action where we just begin to see him living in See, we want the inheritance in that's promised to us. Do you know you have an eternal inheritance that's promised to you? Right. You have an eternal reward where there's a there's a new heaven and a new earth that God has promised you when you put your trust and faith in Jesus. So all that pain, that suffering, that hardship, 
that's not going to be here anymore. You're going to be able to not just know about God or know of God. You're going to be able to be with him and with others for eternity. Amen. We're going to be with him and receive that inheritance. And too often times, we just want that without any skin in the game. And the beautiful thing is that God invites us into the story. He says, you can experience a taste of this right now. So that it makes that eternal inheritance worth living for. Begin to see it right now. And so God's grace inserts believers into God's story. That creates a worldview that enables us to deal with suffering and hardship. It's joy. See, it's that hope that's in heaven that we have to cling on to because of Jesus. We can have this joy. So the results will be, as we talk about being filled with the knowledge and wisdom of God, disciplining yourself through, maybe it's daily Bible reading, maybe it's getting together with other believers, maybe it's just the habit of coming to services weekly. That's not in your daily discipline. That needs to become part of your daily discipline because what will happen is as we begin to live, we will either have God-driven muscle memory or self-centered muscle memory. And self-centered muscle memory always results in brokenness, in chaos, and in emptiness that does not satisfy. Even when things are going well or going good, we can sometimes ask the question, is there more than this? And what Jesus invites us to be a part of, and what he invites us to do, and he resoundingly says, yes, you can see lasting change in your own life and in the world around you. And so may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. See, God has not forgotten. He has moved on your behalf in Jesus. And because of Jesus, you're able to share in that inheritance. And so let me ask you this morning, where do you need to get stronger? Where do you need to get stronger? Do you find yourself wanting the approval of someone else to maybe just say good job or I'm proud of you, or maybe even prove something to yourself? Do you find yourself upset when you don't have all the information and things don't go as planned? Do you find yourself wondering what others think about you and your choices and try to self-manufacture and bolster your own self-esteem? Do you find yourself constantly trying to manufacture excitement and pleasure so that you can just make it through the next day and have something to look forward to? Each and every one of these questions points us back. So we we have to come to ourselves and look at God's word and say, Jesus, you are enough. You're who I need and I can rely to be in control. What you say about me matters most. You your perspective I consider above others, and you're all I need for everlasting joy.
And so let me step back for a moment. Paul is praying this, that they be strengthened for these church and these believers. Paul was praying that the muscle memory of their life is to walk pleasing to God. And he doesn't want them to stop believing. He wants them to start again and again, returning to the source of faith so that their lives and the lives of those around them make God. God has proven that he wants you to know him in Jesus. That is why he sent Jesus to walk on this earth, to show us what it looks like to be truly human, to die on the cross, but then also be resurrected from the grave so that we can have hope and a joy that transcends all circumstances. So my prayer, as we conclude our teaching time this week, whether it's reflecting on this question, whether it's thinking about, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to exercise endurance or patience in my life right now? My prayer. Yeah, that's John. He does. But I want to see you does. Up, John does communion. That we're able to be a people. You get able to hide this. That talk about Jesus to the songs. And point to him again and again. Each and every day. So when people ask us, where does your strength come from? How do you get through that situation? How do you put up with that snide comment or that? Just what seems like a, an unideal work situation. Again and again, you can come back to it because of him. Let's live for him each and every day. And watch <coughs> God do something supernatural in your life and the lives of those around you. Father in heaven, I, I just want to pray this morning. That the people in this room be strengthened by you. That as they look at their week and as they look at their perspective, as they look at their schedule, as they look at their budget, as they look at their relationships, that they go to you for their strength. May you strengthen them. May you give them the capacity for endurance. Will you help them grow in the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of Jesus? Will you help our muscle memory be a memory and a hope that comes from Jesus? And it's in his name.